Epinephrines is a mature podcast for adults, even though sometimes I make farting noises with my hands. <laughs> Listening discretion is advised. My dad's an OB. He's going to give me some medicine and I'll grow breasts and I won't need anything. <laughs> Do you all know what the hot toddy is? Oh, yeah. Booze and honey and uh, tea, right? And tea. Really just booze. Lo and behold, I uh, I bit him. <laughs> I'll measure one time. All right, that that's how much in my mouth feels like five ml. All right. <laughs> I leaned painfully and awkwardly forward while intubating the patient, and suddenly I realized another person in the room needed help. Me. My side throbbed and I contorted in agony. The nurses had commented earlier that I looked uncomfortable, but I brandished the usual I-can-handle-anything attitude so treasured by physicians and continued my shift through the discomfort. Suddenly, a troop of rabid, invisible, manic monkeys started stabbing me repeatedly with rusty ice picks in my left side. At least, that's what it felt like. I could no longer go on. I hobbled to the nurse's station, picked up the phone, and called one of my partners. This is my second most embarrassing interaction in the medical field. The first? Well, I'll tell you at the end. Let me back up here a minute to talk about urine. I had noticed two weeks earlier that I urinated more frequently and my urine was much darker than usual. Being a guy and a physician, I used my skills to assess the situation. Meh, I'll be fine, I said, the typical guy's initial approach to any problem. After a few more days, however, I realized that it had not gone away, so I got a urinalysis. I figure I had a UTI, though I wasn't sure how I could have gotten one. Blood. Lots of blood. No white blood cells, no nitrates. But I don't have any flank pain, I thought to myself. It couldn't possibly be a kidney stone, and if I didn't have a stone, I must have cancer. This was how my brain worked. Not knowing was terrifying. Fast forward to a few days before I attempted to intubate while writhing in pain. I got a CT, and it turned out that I had a kidney stone after all. Yay! Great! Grand! I had always been told that kidney stones hurt. Wow, I must be really amazing. I must have some pretty incredible pain tolerance. I mean, just look at me going day to day without any wham. The pain train slammed into the station a few days later, and I found myself a patient in the ED. Four points. First, I learned from this experience that Toradol is a gift from God made of liquefied magical unicorns and rainbows. Seriously, it blew my mind how much better I felt. If you are not giving Toradol the first instant you can to all your kidney stone patients, please start today. Second, being a patient is scary terrifying, in fact. We become so accustomed to patients in discomfort and working diagnoses that we often forget the human element. This is true not only when a scary diagnosis is found, but also when the patient has nothing. I have found that our residents will sometimes dismiss the patient with little explanation when everything comes back negative. Telling patients we have ruled out all the bad things they were terrified of gives them great peace of mind. My residents seem to hate telling patients with a negative workup that they have no clue what caused their discomfort. I explained that we still have to tell them that we don't know what's going wrong, but more importantly, that we also know what is not causing their pain. I start the conversations with good news. We don't know what's wrong, but we don't see appendicitis or diverticulitis or cancer. The patient came in with fears, and just saying everything looks fine, go home, without saying what is not, well, it's simply a missed opportunity to provide peace of mind and alleviate fear. This is often the reason the patient came to the ED in the first place. Third, if and when you become a patient, just be a patient. Hang up the stethoscope and just be the patient. Doctors and nurses often make terrible patients. Don't be a terrible patient. Fourth, wash your hands on cruise ships, especially when you wear contacts. Remember I said I would tell you my most embarrassing interaction with the medical field? Years ago, when I was on a cruise, and at the time I also wore contacts, 
We had just arrived in our tiny room on the first day of the cruise. We had not yet departed, and I went into the miniature bathroom and applied my scopolamine patch. Then I put on my contacts. Correction, I put in my first contact. My wife, between contact applications, reminded me that I should wash my hands after handling the patch. I poo-pooed her, but washed my hands nonetheless. Thirty minutes later, I became the laughingstock of the cruise. Our group of medical school buddies walked outside, and one noticed that one of my pupils looked enlarge, nay, enormous. I dismissed the allegation until I walked outside and felt the full blast of the sun like an atomic bomb going off in my skull. They continued to laugh as I realized, as usual, my wife was right, and my pupil was incredibly dilated. Lesson learned. All right, Epinef friends, we're back for some more craziness. We have stories of us ourselves being patients. I'm Rob Brandt, ER physician and crazy person, and with me, as always, are my Epinef friends. Hey guys, how are we doing today? Hello. <laughs> we're good. Um, hi, I'm Casey Brandt. I'm a clinical pharmacist, and I get to do our opening because it's my turn. I guess. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, all right. So um, everybody gets to come up with their saddest excuse for a emergency. Uh, I forgot to bring a lunch um, and I have to eat something, a uh, snack or whatever. Um, like, you know, you found it in your backpack or you happen to bring something that's a leftover or there was an unclaimed bag of chips or crackers or something in the break room. So um, I'll go with mine. So since I have kids now, they bail me out of this a lot. Um, it's, uh, it's a lot of times I'll drop them off at um, daycare or something on the, on the way into work. And so um, one day uh, I found a really cold piece of buttered toasted bread uh, in my backpack. Oh, God. <laughs> It's some, How old was this? Five hours old. It was five. Oh, oh that's, you're tossing up rookie numbers. I think that. it was from that day. Um, you know, and you know. you like to believe that at least. Oh, I just want to emphasize it tasted really amazing. <laughs> um, and then um, a lot of times on the way in, I will finish off their like sippy cups of uh, juice um on the way in <laughs> so, if you look over at um my very nice my very cool looking minivan on the way in you'll see me drinking uh the 360 sippy cups uh and finishing those off because it's i mean we get the like the simply orange or the simply lemonade juice so um we're not gonna let that go to waste <laughs> no it's good stuff yeah. yes. so my name is jacob barnett i would have to say that my uh lowest of lows for a pick-me-up. Uh, Casey, you know that I'm a frequenter in your office because you have a giant bag of Starburst. And I feel like occasionally, like, <laughs> blood sugar is at, like, 60. And as it, like, bottoms out to 40, I just, like, I'm just constantly, like, popping Starburst throughout the day just mm -hmm. to, like, get me to the next patient. So No protein. Yeah. Yep, just, just straight glucose. glucose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if anyone doesn't know, food will almost always win with healthcare providers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Doesn't matter where, if they work in an office or on the floor or in a nursing home, you bring them food, mm -hmm. you've made a friend for life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Rob Brandt, ER doc for the last 12 plus years. And I think my saddest one was, was working at the Southwest, which does not have a uh, pretty much anything other than vending machines, especially at night. And I was, I mean, I went to work and I almost always eat on the way to work, but for whatever reason I didn't. So, and then I got there and it was busy. So now it's three in the morning and there's, I mean, there's just nothing out there at three in the morning and I'm looking around and I'm like, I'm so hungry and I'm so <laughs> sad. So I ended up having the deluxe the, I mean, pretty much every ER provider knows this favorite meal, which is an old, uh, graham crackers and peanut butter mm -hmm. it's it's the it's the dinner of champions is what it is mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. i had a can of diet mountain dew and a pile of graham crackers and peanut butter and just 
sadly ate my uh, meal. And I actually took a picture of it, put it up on Facebook, which said something along the lines of, you know, you know, follow and like me for more fantastic recipes. So. <laughs> Uh, my name's, I'm also a PA in the emergency department. Um, I think my saddest meal is, it was a busy shift. And a lot of times our office manager will actually like stash some snacks for us in our office. And so I was really hoping that I was going to find something and there was nothing. It was bone dry. So I was going through my work bag and I found like one of those like meal supplement bars at the very bottom of my bag. And I know I hadn't bought that brand in at least a year. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I had. So I went with it. I mean, I didn't die. So it couldn't have been that bad. So this is going to be stories of us as patients in the ER. If we eventually figure it out. Oh, we're the best. Do you guys have any stories of you guys being patients or being in the ER as patients or whatever the heck I don't care tell me stories that you've had and uh when you were patients in the ER <laughs> mine is ironically related to food oh perfect um, <laughs> segue as you guys may or may not remember when I was pregnant I had a lot of trouble with my blood sugar and it would just randomly go up and down for no reason and so I was like on this like high protein diet with, you know, six meals a day and snacks in between and like checking my blood sugar constantly. And close to the end of my pregnancy, I want to say I was like 36 or 37 weeks. And so I was pretty much like done. And as any pregnant woman knows, I was done at that point. And I was actually working. I was working a morning shift and in one of the clinical pods. And I had a really sick patient come in and I'm working, trying to get the patient stabilized and I'm sitting at the computer right outside of the room while we're waiting on x-ray and all of a sudden I go blind. What? 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 <laughs> I start to freak out a little bit. And at the time we um, still had scribes. And so I turned to my scribe and I was like, I need you to get somebody right now. And she starts to panic a little bit. She's like, what's wrong? I was like, I can't see anything. And I think I'm going to pass out. And so she runs and grabs the charge nurse from up front. One of our charge nurses that's been around forever. And she, I, she's like, what's going on? I was like, I think my sugar is low. I, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. So she grabs the glucometer and my blood sugar is 29. Holy moly. Oh, wow. That's so, nice. Someone else is running to grab me a cookie and a juice and I eat a cookie with some peanut butter on it and I drink the juice and like, no lie, my vision was back for maybe 30 seconds and unstable patient calls me back and I answer the phone and just continue on like nothing happened. What? When I get off the phone, my scribe is still freaking out. She's like, are you okay? Can you see? And I was like, yep. I said, my sugar's back to normal. I'm good. Let's go. Wow. <laughs> we just continued the shift because my sugar dropped that low during a shift. Uh, when I called my endocrinologist because I was supposed to report anything above or below certain marks, he called my OB and was like, "You need to get that baby now. Wow. So I got oh induced like gosh. a week later. So that was enjoyable. That is crazy. I don't know if enjoyable is the word. <laughs> hey, I got him out a week early. And when he came out over nine pounds, I can't imagine if I let him keep cooking. So good news, bad news. I mean, good news, baby out soon, bad news, blind. You know. The stress <laughs> of the situation. We all know how blood sugar can be tied to that. And that was one of the reasons it was hard to keep my blood sugars normal through the pregnancy. That's crazy. Because our life is a little unpredictable. You you just had a cookie and some juice and kept kept going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I worked the rest of my shift. There wasn't coming in at like six in the morning. No, I know. Um, I've heard blindness is a bad thing. I read it in a book. Yeah. My vision returned. It was fine. Oh, everything's fine. What what else could possibly be going wrong? Now, granted, I guess you know your blood sugar at low does explain it, but mm -hmm. yipes. I just. You know how sometimes when people are experiencing, like patients are experiencing, uh, you know, life-saving emergencies, and I think this would fall into that category. Um, 
by some guideline based definition if we wanted to look it up. I don't think we need to because no, I think technically if Jen would have been checking into the ED, she would have been classified as an ESI one yeah. so, needing rapid right. like intervention right. to yeah. save yeah. her life. Yeah, but at six it was this was like at six forty in the morning. So the pod one person was in their golden hour. So I would have had to see myself. <laughs> Okay, okay, no, just pretend, pretend for a minute, though, you're actually checked in, like, not you working to cover the emergency department, and you're like, listen, I blah, 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 important work shift, blah, 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 people relying on me, blah, 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 need to leave, blah, 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 and we're like, you have a medical emergency, blah, 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 cannot leave, blah, 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 Un need to understand seriousness of this, blah, 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 and like it's a conversation we've had with people a million times, but you are explaining <laughs> this in a way that to you seems like it is completely rational for you to have continued on as if nothing was amiss. Yeah, we would have yelled at any of our patients who did that, but you know, it's yeah, we would have been like, sign this AMA paper then. <laughs> I didn't leave the ER, <laughs> yeah. I was there till like three so i spent the following eight hours you were really in the safest place right yeah. that was my thought if anything bad happened you were already there if my sugar dropped again and the symptoms got worse then i checked myself in but i ate something my sugar came up yes i felt okay oh my you received gosh. emergency medical care and your insurance had to pay nothing <laughs> for my juicing <laughs> cookie with peanut butter no, 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 no. People around you had to respond. You were under the care of everyone in the emergency department. You received no bill and no one got paid. No, I'm serious. Like, this is... <laughs> Classic. I'm not saying I wouldn't have done the exact same thing, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> that, that reminds me of something that I saw where uh, a guy, one of one, an ER physician got um, his vaccine for COVID and he was supposed to work. And the person says, you have to stay here 15 minutes. And he's like, well, I I'm going to go to the ER. They're like, well, but, but you have to stay here 15 minutes. He's like, what would you do if something happened? They mm. said, we'd send you to the ER. And he's like, right. That's where I'm going right I'm now. I'm going to go there now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you're if you're unresponsive, are you we're not going to pin a note to your shirt that says got the COVID vaccine at XY times just so everybody knows what the issue is here. It's like in kindergarten. Right? Leave this on yeah. there. The, the kindergarten <laughs> teacher can take this off you because we can't trust you with <laughs> Right. Right. It's a uh, that that's what the I just got vaccinated sticker is for. <laughs> that's exactly isn't it? Like, right. <laughs> I don't know. Some of those stickers stand for days. Like I have Easter stickers on the walls of my house from three years ago. Um, <laughs> you know, like when they put them on, you go, Oh, we'll just take them right off. Well, no, we won't. They are gonna get sold with the house now. Um <laughs> they are part <laughs> hey, hey, don't remove that. That's a load bearing sticker. That keeps yeah, up that yeah. wall. <laughs> Yeah, we're all emotionally attached to this sticker now, apparently. Yeah, um, we got to paint over it. <laughs> um, so um, <laughs> it reminds me of uh, one time when I was in um, the emergency department. It, I didn't start there. I didn't start out working there. Um, I uh, was feeling a little like woozy sitting at my desk. And um, I uh, had noticed earlier in the day, I was like, my heartbeat feels kind of weird. And my husband, who was medically trained i was like hey feel my pulse does that feel weird to you and it was like beat beat pause beat beat pause and you know it was still going pretty fast and i was like i feel kind of weird and he's like oh that feels weird yeah if you go in i mean ask somebody about it and i was like yeah it just doesn't feel right and i've been feeling good i was like all right well let's i don't know pay attention to it. and i was like feeling kind of busy later in the day and i was like went and asked somebody about it um and like I went and asked one of the docs we were working with and I was like, my pulse feels weird. And they were like, oh, I think it's stress. I think you're just stressed out kind of jokingly. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I'm kind of thinking maybe I'm just overreacting. And then I, I was like, no, I really feel kind of weird. And they were like, well, go out and triage and, you know, see if they can hook you up to an EKG or something. And um, Jacob, I think I might actually talk to you. Um, <laughs> yep, I looked at the EKG. I, I, so I get hooked up and I'm in like sustained by Gemini. Um, <laughs> oh, or maybe it was like beat pause. I can't remember. It might be tri-gemini. It's not my thing. 
Um, and so I was like in Sustained by Gemini and they were like, well, that doesn't look right. And I was like, no, it doesn't. All right. Well, and so I remember sending a video to my husband and being like, hey, like, ha, you know, it was like a minute long. And he texts text back in all caps, like, why are you in by Gemini? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm getting all these texts like, oh, my God, is that you? Casey, what's going on? And I was like, I'm just checking in. And they're. Um, and so I checked in, I got some labs done and, um, everything looked okay. And, uh, um, it ended up like resolving while I was sitting there going to try Gemini and like, you know, and then it's every fourth, every fifth and like goes away and I feel fine. Like once it goes away and I'm going to follow up outpatient with cardiology and, um, you know, somebody, uh, is gonna like, uh, we don't have anybody that really like comes in and covers for us. There's like just one shift a day of ER pharmacists. And so, so I'm talking to the uh, ER doc who I'd been working with like an hour before. I'm like, well, I got some stuff to finish up. Like, I'm just going to finish that up and then I'm going to go. And they were like, you need to go home for the day. I was like, um, I feel okay now. I think I'm just going to go finish <laughs> some stuff. And they're like, you need to go home. And they're like, you only got a couple hours left. I already talked to, to you know, the pharmacy, the pharmacist upstairs and said they're not to call you. Because like while I was sitting there getting all this workup done, she came in and took my laptop and my phone away from me because I was still trying to like work <laughs> and, working. and look at, you know, cause, well, because I was just feeling a little like sleepy whenever, you know, I was in like by Gemini and Trigemini. But otherwise, um, you know, just sitting there like waiting for labs to come back. I was like, <laughs> OK, whatever. Um, and so she's like, just go home and relax and like rest. You know, she's like, something's going on. You need to figure out what's going on. I was like, I, I mean, I feel fine. Honestly, she, so she like in front of me, like calls my supervisor and he's not there because it's like six at night and she's like hi so-and-so this is dr so-and-so she's like just so you know casey is going home for the night because she's checked into the emergency department and i am her you know physician caring for her and i am ordering her to go home so <laughs> if you have any questions you can contact me directly and she hangs up she's like there now you're going home as ordered by me and i was like thanks i guess i'll go <laughs> and it's like okay well gonna go now thanks so much so yeah outpatient follow-up but same kind of thing like all right well i guess i'm gonna go because i've been forced to go see you wanted to just keep working too well yeah because yeah, i same felt fine thing. yes i know right. i know like like i said like you shame other people and then you're like but it was fine so i can work but you can't <laughs> that, that was me me to a t when i had my kidney stone because i was i remember because i had i mean you know busy morning i already i already had a diagnosis of kidney stone i already had a follow-up appointment with the urologist like the next day and i woke up in the morning i'm like oh wow this hurts worse than it's been hurting but i'll have my ibuprofen and i'll be fine when i get to work and to work and felt the same maybe a little worse was like oh just gotta wait for that ibuprofen to kick in and then you know patients came in and i was feeling bad and the nurses are honest and they're like brant you look like bad i was like yeah just i'm, I'm fine and then i remember intubating somebody and I'm like groaning while I'm intubating them. <laughs> I was like, literally, I, I was like leaning to one side, like, like this weird, awkward, off balance tripod. And I'm intubating this guy. I'm like, Arr! like, and like, I'm straining to intubate it. And like, I intubate him. And I, <laughs> like, I get done. I intubate this guy, listen to his lungs and just walk out of the room, you know, put in the orders. Cause you know, check the person was, you know, fine in the setting, fine. And just like, and they're like, dude, you look like crap. I'm like, I, I think I'm gonna. And then I'm like, what the heck am I doing? Like, I am not functioning well, and I could possibly be in danger. So I was like, all right. And I called somebody in. They got in, and then I just like walked to the bed in front of me and flopped on top of it because I was like, why? <laughs> why am I this dumb? I'm like, I I ridicule other people, but when it's it when it's you, you're like, no, no, no. I I'm fine. No, I I wasn't fine hours ago. Just well, you're you're like, well, maybe it's not as bad as I think. Like, or it's gonna it's gonna pass or something. Yeah. They pass, right? They do that. They just you're gonna you're gonna it's gonna peak sometime. I just gotta mentally 
I was like, I'm just, just waiting for the pain. Just, you know, cause you know, the pain just, and it was just like, it kind of just very slowly and progressively continued to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And I was just mm -hmm. like, boy, it's just, just waiting for that ibuprofen to kick in. That normally takes about five hours for that to kick in. Huh? Whew, like, <laughs> wait a minute. That's, Cause yeah, that, that would have been about where I was, you know, cause I'd taken it whatever an hour and a half before my shift. <laughs> well, and I think a lot of times we often think in our head too, like what, what are they going to, you know, like if I go in or if I see the doctor, what are they going to do for me that I don't know that I can't, you know what I mean? Like I took my Tylenol, I took my ibuprofen, like I did what I was supposed to do. Like, you're like, but I don't, I don't need an IV. I don't need IV medication. You know, like you're like, you rationalize it until, until you realize you're being irrational. I'm trying to imagine like anybody's most stubborn family member that they've tried to convince to go in and get medical care. What are they going to do for me when I go in there? I don't know. I literally don't know what's wrong with you until you go in. Yeah. What are they going to do? <laughs> but that's why healthcare workers make the worst patients. <laughs> Is because we do we have okay like what's the differential for my symptoms yes you know what are the chances of this actually being a well i mean it doesn't hurt when i jump up and down so it's probably not my appendix like <laughs> you kind of do your own like, and i i knew what i mini exam like so i i'm positive i know what i have so it's like oh they're just gonna give me pain medicine and that's all i need and it's like but that's what i need and I've literally had this conversation with probably hundreds of patients who have kidney stones. And I tell them, yeah. if this gets really, really bad and it doesn't respond to your pain medicines that you're taking at home, come back to the ER because sometimes that's the only possible way to get the pain under control. I've said those exact words mm -hmm. to hundreds of kidney stone patients. But when it's me, don't be going to be fine. <laughs> I feel like we could replace half a day of high school with a flow chart about like when to go where <laughs> for medical care. Um, I feel like we've talked about this a little bit before, but we don't even go over it. I think in medical school or pharmacy school or obviously or PA school or anything. I'm trying to think of ever heard anybody talk about it freshman in high school i think is when we cover this we should and sophomore and junior and senior Just every every year of high school you have to you retake the class yeah but nobody nobody's going to because if you get it wrong and somebody dies then you get sued so nobody's gonna take this on unless there's a nationalized version of it then you're gonna get sued and they're gonna abandon it everybody's just gonna keep getting routed to the er with with the current system <laughs> yeah, I like your sigh of like acceptance. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, sometimes too, there's not other options available. Oh, there's not. That's true. Absolutely true. Like urgent cares are, you know, for us at least, there aren't any in the inner city, oh. and so you have to have access to you to actually get to one of the urgent care centers. And I don't even know that the bus system goes to. Many of them routinely. Yeah, right. if you want to take like three and a half hours, change buses, maybe take an Uber. Or you can, you know, walk three minutes to the ER that you live by. I, I get it. I, it's fair. Makes more sense. My uh, ER story is has an undertone of karma involved in it. I, knock on wood, I have not had to actually go to the emergency department. Um, I think knock on wood again, in my adult life. Um, but I did <laughs> frequent it often before the age of seven. Uh, I was accident prone. I mean, I remember the story, but my mother always tells this story. I think I was four or five, and we were at my cousin's house, and we were playing... Uh, we, were, we had taken the end <laughs> off a Fisher-Price broom. We both had them, and we were okay. using the plastic tube... As a trumpet. This makes perfect sense. We're marching around. That sounds more fun than the broom. Take this and pretend to clean something. Oh, and, wow. <laughs> right? Yeah. And me, uh, me and my clumsy self, I uh, ran into the wall. And the plastic broom proceeded to, like, dig itself into the oh. top of my, the roof of my mouth. And actually went all the way back uh, into my pharynx. Oh, my. Uh so I like ran out into the living room and like I proceeded to like spit up a bunch of blood. Um, and we were at my aunt's house, who is 
Um, she's a nurse. So she grabbed me and I'm like, I, she had me rinse my mouth out with water. Um, and actually like I, they, it got like, it like resolved rather quickly, you know, but like, you know, it free, it freaks anyone out to see like a four year old, yeah. like spit up a mouthful of blood for sure. Ah, yeah. That would get just about anybody. Um, so my mom took me to the emergency department and I, I don't really remember the emergency department. Um, but I remember like the tube part and stuff like that. Um, and she tells the story that the emergency department doctor had me open my mouth and then he proceeded to like stick his finger like in the like in the open wound in the top of my mouth. I would too. And uh, lo and behold, I uh, I bit him. <laughs> um, I mean, that's just a that, come on, Doc. Wake up. I mean, yeah, it's I'm, a four year old yeah. who's injured. And you're just gonna poke your finger in it? Yep. No. So the. The crazy part is, I mean, this was like, this was like uh, late 80s, right? Late 80s. Yeah. <laughs> um, my mom said after I bit him, he pulled his arm back like he was going to punch me. <laughs> Welcome to the 80s, sucker. And my mom said that she was just so like surprised and aghast that she like, I mean, I think I stopped biting him and then he like didn't do anything. But like. I don't know. Maybe it was the rough and tumble ER of the 80s. Like, that's, I don't know. So I, I feel like ever since then, like, ever since I've started working in the emergency department, I've always kind of, like, thought about that story in the sense of, like, oh, my, could, if I imagine <laughs> my boss getting a report that I, like, pulled my arm back to, like, punch a child because, <laughs> like, he bit me. I, like I would not have a PA license anymore. Like I would be done. You had a good run, Jacob. But uh, <laughs> yeah. However, about two years ago, I had um. You had an unruly uh, child, and you're like, well, here's the time. Sorry, sucker. I <laughs> yeah no. I had a kiddo who had he he had a, like a a little laceration in his mouth, and I was trying to get a good look at it to figure out if we needed to put sutures in it. I rarely put my fingers like in in a kid's mouth like you know you look at their lips like you know you haven't moved their tongue um i feel like it was always me being wary of karma and somehow i just kind of slipped my finger in there and he had my index finger between wow. his two front teeth with just just enough pressure like just enough that like i could not pull my finger out and I had already, like, I, I think I'd been a dad for about three years at this point in time. And I pulled out my dad voice. I was like, let go. Let go now. Or maybe it's my dad dog voice. I don't know. Like, Started slowly rolling up a newspaper. And then I, like, I kind of, like, he did let go. And then I walked out of the room and I was like, oh. I could see how that could escalate quickly to thinking about, like, how, how do I need to physically remove this four-year-old from my finger? That did not go the way I planned. Yeah. yeah. Did he just smile at you knowingly when yeah. you walked out of the room? I think so. Maybe. Like, yeah. I, I believe I, I believe I like saw the laceration. I was like, mm -hmm. yep, that doesn't mm -hmm. need any repair. We're going to leave that be. <laughs> All <set>. <laughs> not <laughs> going back in there. I, I am the child of a uh, physician. And I mean, it was going to the hospital was something that you just didn't. Do. I mean, I was the, like, I, I think I said before, I'm the fourth of four. And I've also said, shockingly, that I'm the most reserved of the fourth of four. I remember, I don't know how old I was. I somewhere around seven. And, you know, I got my other two years older and another one two years older than that. They were doing smart things as you do. So my sister was babysitting, by which I mean, you know, upstairs talking to friends on the phone while the, the three of us were in the basement. And we had decided, hey, ski poles, you know what those look like? Those are swords. So they were, we were playing the game of try to poke each other with the ski poles. And if you try hard enough, we, we did it. And my brother got poked in the face just below his eyeball because I don't know for a fact, but I'm assuming the other brother was going for his eyeball. Oh, my gosh. Then took a trip to the ER. <laughs> 
only one of the few times that I ever went to the hospital as a child was when I spent, I think it was three full days sitting in a chair, holding my head because my head hurt so bad. And, you know, I had headaches before, but, you know, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And then finally, my mother, you know, was like, huh, it doesn't look so good. And it turned out that I actually had meningitis, at <laughs> which times my parents were like, ooh, our bad, our bad. <laughs> so that's that's like that's pretty much it other than the multiple broken bones. But I mean, those were legit because, you know, I was like, I was on sideways. They knew to bring me in at that time. Yeah, I broke a ton of bones growing up because I am very clumsy and I just would jump off of random things. And by the end of it, I think there was kind of an unwritten rule that unless it was clearly like (laughs) misaligned or dislocated and fractured, um, you were waiting and getting an outpatient x-ray and we would follow up with orthopedic. Um, Because I've broken both arms multiple times. (laughs) Yeah, and even when I had meningitis, we still we we still went to the pediatrician first, mm-hmm. who saw me and was like, "Well, he's got a fever and he's grabbing his skull and he's not moving." Well, these days, you have the option to go get aligned at a chiropractor and then get some oils rubbed on you, and then go and uh, I guess we'll see. <laughs> you know, that's that's true because that was gonna that was probably like you know mid eighties medicine, and if if I could have just had some healing jasmine rubbed on me, I probably yeah, would be I fine. I mean, there's so many options now; it's very confusing. Like maybe a little eucalyptus, yeah, get your blood for relaxation, asthma injected into your something. I don't know knee. <laughs> so these alternative clinics here, tons of specialists. Although the eighties version of essential oils was. Um, Vicks vapor rub. Mm. There you go. Because well, that stuff, that stuff is yeah. magical. But my grandma put it on everything. Like Frank's Red Hot. Yeah, like Frank's Red Hot. Like she, like oh, you're congested. Well, mm. you put some on your chest. Oh, you have a sinus infection. You put it under your nose. Oh, your feet are cold. You put it oh. on your feet. Like that was always the answer. Vicks vapor rub. If it hurts to pee, yeah. <laughs> I never went there with her. I'd ask her now, but she's pretty demented. <laughs> there's a study we I think it'd be more fun to ask now. <laughs> there's a study we read as pharmacy residents about putting Vicks on your feet to help with coughing. Um, I can't remember if it worked or not. Wait, help with coughing? Yes. They tell you with like small kids to put on their feet and then put socks on them and put them to bed yes. as opposed to putting it on their chest. Yes. I think it might be to keep uh. them from eating it, but... I don't know if the smell's still like effective, but yes, on the feet. I mean, the menthol does open up so that you can like smell better and opens up your sinuses mm-hmm. a little. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you're if they're in bed under covers, that would still eventually get up. Yeah, we had a journal club, and it, it was Vicks on the feet, honey for cough. Whether or not home measuring spoons were as accurate as the devices that they give you at the pharmacy, and I'm trying to remember what else. Definitely those articles, though. I I literally today today read an article, not a medical. It was not in a medically reviewed anything, but it was essentially the medicine behind the power of the hot toddy. Do you all know what the hot toddy is? Oh yeah, uh, booze mm-hmm. and honey and uh, tea, tea, right? Really, just booze. So it's well, they had the formula, which was two tablespoons of whiskey, one tablespoon of honey, hot water, and something. Yeah, and that was and it and it said that it worked, so it was amazing. Hmm. We should do an episode of of uh, cures. All right, we should do an episode while drinking hot toddies. Yes. Oh. <laughs> see who lasts the longest. Oh, Jacob. We should do an episode of Jacob. You do are... a shot every time somebody says a specific word. <laughs> yeah. Each one of us gets one word, and the others have to keep yeah. them on, on task. Trying mm-hmm. to keep. Oh, yeah, man. you got to try to get other people to say the word. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. This be a very interesting episode. I literally have Basil Hayden's just a. a arms lengths away from me which is a, a delicious whiskey maybe we could get them as a sponsor basil hayden's if you're listening please sponsor us we talked about no food we need to get insomnia cookies to sponsor us there you go Ooh, yeah mm-hmm. um i wanted to uh someone who said the thing about if home measuring like spoons were the same as like instruments that were given out i think back to my childhood and i never took medicine like the medicine I took was literally poured into the spoon that we ate like our cereal with. That that is how yeah, same, my accurate dose was like given to me. Like 
You need your mm-hmm. uh, amoxicillin? Here you go. Here's one one spoon of it. One big purple or big pink spoon of yep. it. My grandma would be like, well, just take a swig. How much is a swig? <laughs> like, that's how much you took. You took one swig. Hopefully not too much. Not two swigs, one swig. Mm-hmm. That is that is how that is how I measure cough medicine now for myself at night though. When oh, it's yeah. like all of these cups are disgusting. Well, when yeah. I use them, who has to wash it? Me. <laughs> so this bottle is for me, and I will put it up here in the corner. And I know I'll measure one time. All right, that that's how much in my mouth feels like five ml. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like with it's like chocolate chips with chocolate chip cookies. You measure that with your heart. <laughs> Well, I know, like, these are all over the counter. None of these have a narrow therapeutic index. That's why they're over the counter. <laughs> and I'm not going to take it exactly four or six times a day. So I I feel like I know what I'm doing. I don't feel well. I wash a cup out because this syrup is going to take forever. I don't feel like it. For those of you at home, please measure. All of you at home, <laughs> don't listen to the pharmacist. Please measure accurately. <laughs> The pharmacist is allowed to do this. No one else on the planet. Only pharmacists. If you have your pharmacy degree, also measure it. But they have a. Don't you take a pharmacy class? Like how much liquid is in your mouth? Like that's like it's like. No, no, yeah, no. This is. Isn't that the final? You have to be able to regurgitate exactly five milliliters. Just in case you have to baby bird it into a patient. This is why, this is why, no, seriously though, if you look in my cabinet, I have like 20 dosing cups and like my husband, will be like, I'm going to get rid of some of these. And I'm like, don't you dare. Like I need one for me. I need one for you. I need one for if this is before, obviously, because your mom will get a cold and she'll be like, oh, I need medicine. And I don't need to go searching for a clean one. I need like a bunch of spare ones. Every time we get through a new bottle of stuff, I just put a stack of them in the back. And so I have like a spare one. That, you know, you just keep a bunch of them. And if they get gross and you can't clean them, you just throw it away. You have a little stack of them in the back. This is like a college frat house with shot glasses. Only it's all medicine <laughs> yeah. glasses that you have all stacked up. They serve a double purpose. You can also use them as shot glasses if you're on He's out. like, why do we need so many medicine measuring syringes and cups? I'm like, don't you touch my stuff. Go to another shelf. You can take whatever you want out of there and declutter that. Don't you touch my shelf with all measuring devices. Just... Leave it alone. Why do I feel like the real secret is like Casey's hypocrisy? She's just like runny nose, coughing. She's got her robe on. And then she's just got a bottle of Robitussin with a straw sticking right out of it. Right. Just... Yes, it's, a, it's a steady state drug. Like uh, it's time dependent. It's not concentration. Yeah. yeah. A constant yeah. inflow takes two jugs to start that's the loading dose and then after that it's one sip every 15 to 20 minutes to just keep that steady state just perfect absolutely not (laughs) yeah no the poison control people are like oh what's this no this is a terrible episode no yes again just reiterating all joking, nobody do anything we say any is for crazy people. Yeah, we are not teaching anybody anything in any of these episodes. We're not reviewing any articles. Learn nothing. Do not take anything away from this. Please. I got one more ER story. Um, it's probably better. It's better than my last one. All right. So go for it. Go for it. working the end of my several days in a row, and I feel terrible. Um, every time I eat something, um, I'm gonna, I have a terrible pain in my stomach shoots up into my back and it makes me want to throw up. So naturally my solution is to stop eating like six or seven months postpartum. So I stop eating. I'm trying to like drink and stuff that still kind of makes me uncomfortable. So I just kind of avoid eating. I'm like breastfeeding. So um, I come and I work and I go home and like my very last day, um, like I get so sick that I have to like throw up in a trash can and I'm like, okay, I got a few hours left in the last shift. I can make it. And I make it through the end of my last shift. I think I asked, I asked you if, um, cause I was like, I either got like some stomach flu or I was starting to suspect that maybe it was my gallbladder. Cause I hadn't slept in like two days. I was up all night, like rolling around uncomfortable, trying to take ibuprofen. And I remember asking you about it and you were like, yeah, this sounds like slam dunk, like gallbladder. And you went through all like the risk factors with me. Um, <laughs> you know, and I just had a kid and, um, you're like, does the pain go here? And I was like, yeah. And you're like, does it shoot up here? And I was like, I'll blur to me. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll call somebody tomorrow. And so the next day I was like babysitting my kid at home 
And basically, she she's like six months old, and all I felt like doing was like containing her in like a small space, making sure she didn't like fall off of anything, and trying to feed her at home. And then my husband gets home, and I was like, I don't feel good. I gotta go get checked out. He's like, Okay. So we go into the urgent care, and we're like walking in, and I see one of the nurses that used to work at the ER working there, and she like looks at me. She's like, She has this look. You don't look good. Um, my husband thought I was just tired from working so many days in a row and being up late and feeding the kid, whatever. Um, I told him I hadn't been feeling good. She like looks at me and she looks at my husband and she goes, does her, do her eyes usually look that color? And he looks and he's like, <laughs> no, and my eyes were like yellow. They were like bright yellow. Um, and he had been gone all day and he hadn't noticed and he hadn't seen me in the morning. They were like, okay. And so they're trying to get an IV on me and they were having a really hard time. Um, and so they finally did, they got labs. My LFTs were like thousand something. Um, and they were like, you need to go down to the ER um, like one of the PAs that was working there came and talked to me and I looked at my husband. I was like, why do they look nervous? And he's like, you're really sick. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, you're not supposed to be at an urgent care. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, don't eat anything. Don't drink anything. And, uh, they'd sent like, the, so they were like, okay. And so I'm on my way in. And of course, as soon as they say, don't eat anything, don't drink anything. Like you're like, oh, I'm starving. I really am. And I hadn't eaten or drink anything like really <sighs> most of the day. And so we're like in the car and I'm like, really thirsty. I'm like looking at my husband and I'm like, you got anything to drink? And he's like, you're not supposed to eat or drink anything. I'm like, I just want like something to drink. And he's like, nothing. And I'm like, what's in that cup right there? And he's like, probably like melted ice with like some Coke in it. And I was like, you think I could drink it? And he's like, no, do not drink it. I was like, all right. Um, I'm just going to keep it to myself whether or not I drank it when he got out to put gas in the car um, on the way to the ER. <laughs> but so we get to the ER and we check in. And like surgery comes and sees me and they're like, like they did an ultrasound and they're like, Hey, your gulp inflamed and there's a bunch of stones in there. We're going to take it out. And like I told them, you have lip a bit up a lot. And they're like, we think you maybe have an obstructing stone or something and it's going to have to come out. Probably not going to be tonight, maybe tomorrow. We're going to keep you NPO. And they gave me some fluids and my daughter was there and she was really freaking out. And I kept trying to feed her and, um, they found some formula in one of the walkthroughs and they fed her. And that was like a huge relief because that was like the first time she had formula. She was like trying to feed her. She was starving because I was like super dehydrated at that point. And so my husband finally takes her home and they get me like settled in and admitted. And um, I remember they are ordered like Dilaudid or something for me. And I was like, oh, I don't really feel like I'm in a lot of pain. But um, it was like as needed. And they come in, they're like, we have some Dilaudid for you. And I was like, I mean, I don't want to make you waste it. So um, <laughs> they're like getting ready to do me and it was like a nurse that was like newer there and so when I'm nervous I talk to people and I was like talking to her and telling her oh where are you from and I distracted her because she just like hooks the med up and she's talking to me and she just like as soon as she hooks it up she like pushes the whole syringe in really fast oh and I was, like, <laughs> have a nice trip I, like felt my face get really cold and I was like <laughs> like and then it got really warm all of a sudden and I felt like really nauseous and she was like oh oh my god I pushed it really fast and she's like starts fanning me and I was like fine I like lay back and I first sweating. I was like, like, this feels like I was like, well, I feel fine now. I don't feel anything. I was like, okay. Um, so I was like, I'm feeling really weird right now. And so the next thing I remember, you do walking walking in and like I was like talking to my husband. I was like, you can go. I think I'm gonna fall asleep. So he takes my daughter home, who's finally like sleeping because she feels better. He's like, the next thing I remember is like one of the nurses coming in with like this bag with a pink stripe on it, and I was like, I know what that bag is. That's Zosin. I don't want that. I was like, I don't need Zosin. Um, I don't have pseudomonas. I don't need Zosin. And so, um, oh my gosh. I was like, I was like, I, uh, I was like high end allotted, and I'm like, still no, I don't need Zosin. And so I was like, I don't want that. I refuse it. Um, and they were like, what? I was like, I don't want Zosin. I refuse the Zosin. And they were like, okay. And I was like, you tell them I want Sofoxetin. And they were like, okay, they, they were like, uh, they go back up like, oh, your room's ready. So I'm like rolling by the nurse's station and I hear them like, yeah, they're not the Zosin. And they were like, oh, all right, whatever. And I was like, what did they say? And they were like, I called the surgeon and they were like, who is it? The pharmacist? Well, I don't care. Give her whatever she wants. Let me, I, I want to go, but I want to go to bed. Like, and so they were like, what and so they uh, they like stopped, and they were like, "What am I supposed to order?" And I like told them, like, like, like a <laughs> I remember being super insecure about it the next day, and I like texted one of our pharmacists that does stewardship, and I was like, 
that's super unreasonable. Should I just take in the Zosin? And she was like, no, <laughs> don't let them give you that if you didn't need it. And I was like, <laughs> I think about it now, I was like, I probably should have just taken the Zosin. It would be a pain in the butt. But <laughs> um, um, I think I was just allotted brave. I don't know. Power of the lot, it compels you. Yes, I don't know. Um. <laughs> that does remind me of, I, I forgot about this story, but your story reminded me of my story. Um, oh, boy. So when I got my wisdom teeth out, um, mm -hmm. so my, my, da my dad's an OB. Yeah. And I have no memory of this story other than my parents gleefully telling it to me. So um, they you know, had to get my wisdom teeth out. I got put down and... When I was coming out of it, I was really talkative. And then like the uh, the nurse after my wisdom teeth, I was like, do you need anything for pain? And what my parents told me that I said was exactly this was this. No, I don't need anything for pain. My dad's an OB. He's going to give me some medicine and I'll grow breasts and I won't need anything. <laughs> That's what I said. That's what came out of my mouth. My parents thought that that was hilarious. No memory of it whatsoever. But that's what I was told that I said. Yeah, you never lived that one down. Can you imagine if they had TikTok back then and had recorded you saying that and put it online? Oh my gosh. I would have all the followers in the world. It would have been David, yep. that one kid who was like asking if this is real life. Or it's something one of your older brothers told you and you just repeated. Yeah, that's also possible. Oh, fantastic, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another episode of Friends. Remember, we will see you guys much every monday for yet another episode but for now be safe be well and have fun in that order and we'll see you next time measure your medications <laughs> <laughs> and please measure your medications <laughs> epinephrines would like to remind everybody to always follow the recommended dose and guidelines printed on the label of everything you take please ask your doctor or your pharmacist or your medical professional that you are working with if you have any questions about how to take your medications that you are prescribed or otherwise taking over the counter thank you just because we are medical professionals doesn't mean we're your medical professors if you have an actual medical problem please ask an actual medical doctor pharmacist just not our pharmacist right now that we're talking <laughs> that's right where's my sprite bye for now